and welcome back to the Roadie Sports Show. Uh, today we're going to be talking about baseball, and I am very fortunate to actually have a veteran of the sports join me on the podcast today. He has been a member of several different Major League Baseball, AAA and AA minor league clubs, and was in the system from 2004 to 2011, seven years. Uh, Mr. Daniel Nelson. Thank you very much for joining me, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Very excited to have you. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, so I gave you uh, a little bit of an introduction. Is there anything else you'd uh, care to share with my listeners about yourself? Uh, uh, well, not really. Uh, just let, let's get it started with the, uh, with the questions. All right, awesome. <laughs> I'm here for that. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to get right into it. Uh, so the, fir- the first couple questions I wanted to talk to you about is about your time in the system, in the minor leagues. Uh, first, getting it out of the way, was there any uh, tough conditions, whether it be travel, whether it be sleep, food? Is there anything that was very tough uh, that you had to deal with in your time? The, the toughest time that I had was well the adjustment to the culture uh, I was I'm from California from LA and had to play in Midwest and down south very quickly uh, it changed my viewpoint on you know how to approach life and how to approach people uh, you know when I was in Midwest and down south they're very straightforward and honest and right to the point and so that kind of grew on me as how to conduct myself as a, as a person and as a young man. So it hit home pretty quick. So that was the main, one of, one of the big adjustments that I had to make. So yeah. that was one of my, uh, one of my points where I had to make a change. For of, sure. of course. I really like hearing that actually, you know, um, going through all these times playing the sport that you love to play and it really changed who you are rather than the athlete you were trying to be. That's very interesting, actually. And, uh, you know, I I haven't been down south too much. I was born in Florida, but I've really grown up in Rhode Island. But I, I do know what you mean. They're very, to the point, as you said, um, kind of straightforward, very do-it-yourself kind of people. And that's very interesting, you know, um, Growing up in L.A. and then transitioning to there, that must have been very different. Can I ask, had you been to other parts of the country before you started your career? Uh, I mean, yes, but I really didn't recognize it or pay attention to it. I've been to Florida, been to Alabama with my family on vacations for family reunions and things like that. But as far as when I was a... You know, when I was in, you know, in high school, no, no, no real traveling besides to like Lake Tahoe or uh, <laughs> Las Vegas. But going uh, to Florida, Mississippi, Texas, and these other places, St. Louis, you know, that that was you know, those things were, were really different. I really didn't make it to St. Louis. I made it to Springfield, Missouri. So those those are some big changes. So yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Anytime you're really traveling from really any state to state travel, you're going to have huge differences, not only in 
uh, the culture around the town, but around the people, around the food, everything, every little thing like that. Um, and so that actually can take me to my next question. Uh, you had a spring training appearance in 2011, and that was that was with the Braves. Is that correct? Correct. Awesome. Uh, I was wondering what what kind of thoughts did you have about that appearance, about getting called up to the show, and just about being able to put on a show for the fans. That was my biggest dream ever. Like I mean it. It, and I was told that I was going to break camp with the big league team. I lost it. <laughs> of excitement. Just no, nothing but excitement. Called my parents. Called my brother, my sister. Made sure everybody knew what was going on. I just had, I, I had a smile from ear to ear. And I, I just could not, I couldn't believe that it finally happened. And it, it it really was well worth the, the sacrifice, the, the pains, the, everything. Everything was well worth it. And so when I got that call, I just, you know, jumped up. I really did jump up, I'll be honest with you. I jumped up, gave, my, gave myself a couple of fist pumps like I was Derek Jeter. Yeah. <laughs> like I was clutch. And uh, getting that call was huge. Uh, getting there as well was big as well. Uh, getting that opportunity to to play there, uh, to, to put on a show for the fan. I had no idea how it would really look because I, I just felt that was my first year actually getting any calls to play in Big League camp as well. So when I'm sitting in the locker room, I'm looking at Tripper Jones, Martin Prado, Jason Hayward, Freddie Freeman. And these guys that are preparing to go, you know, go to war for the for the for seat for the seat. And I'm just starstruck. I'm watching these guys go go through their things and through their days and how they prepare. And I'm just paying attention to them and, and looking around and just still in awe. I mean, just to be able to to watch um, other baseball players that are at the next level that I've been watching on TV for you know ten years six years while I was in the minors was huge, huge. I remember the first time I got a chance to see Jose Batista and he did his famous leg kick, home run, and then like started walking. Huh. And uh, it was huge. And, I mean, I lost it. So it was, it was it, those things were huge. But when I got to Atlanta and I got a chance to sit on a bus with everyone I knew it was real. I knew I wasn't going back down to Triple A, you know, and you know until everything was done. And I got to my locker. I saw my locker. I think I was number ninety-three or eighty-three. It was one of those. I think it was ninety-three or ninety-two. And I said Nelson on the back. See, there was a couple other guys that didn't even have their name on their back of their jersey. I have my name on the back of my jersey. So when I end up making the diving catch. Uh, that ended up making it to um, ESPN. Uh, you know, I was I was happy. I, I got like a play that was like top ten or top twenty. You know, it was it was pretty good. I, I the fans were going crazy and they played like the Superman song, and I was like, man, this is amazing. <laughs> so those things. 
things right there I, 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 was, I was really excited about. That, that, that sounds absolutely amazing. It, uh, that's some powerful stuff. You know, being able to play the sport that you love for so many years and then, I don't want to say right at the end, but close to the end of your career, being called up, being appreciated, and finally getting your shot. And like you said, you had a phenomenal diving catch. I was going to get into that into a second. Um, that really, I it would it be fair to say that was probably the biggest highlight of your career? Biggest highlight, for sure. You know, what have you done? I'm like, hey, I've made a diving catch. Yeah. <laughs> I was up there for three days, but I made a diving catch. And they're like, no, you didn't. And then I show them, and, or they look me up before they even meet me. They meet, they look me up, and there's a diving catch. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah that, that was a big moment. It's still a big moment in my life. And it, it's, it's just an incredible moment altogether. Um, I remember watching that play, and I, I have to be honest. Um, my apologies. Before we first got in touch uh, a couple weeks ago, I hadn't heard much of your name, and then I look it up and I see that catch, and I'm thinking to myself, like, who the hell am I, being a sports media journalist, not seeing this great catch? And you know, after that, I started looking it up a little bit more. Uh, you had a. Uh, I want to say something like 40 home runs in your career, 600 plus hits, and I'm looking at it, I'm I'm kind of amazed. I'm like, oh yeah, I have a great ball player coming on, super excited. Um, you know, it's, it, it's really, being a, I, I'm 22 years old, I've been a sports fan since I was two years old, I'd like to say, uh, you are the greatest baseball player I've talked to. So there's that a little bit of uh, excitement coming out. I'll try to reel it back in. Um, <laughs> no, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm, so uh, next question I wanted to, I wanted to ask your opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how closely you've been following the MLB start up to the season for the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Have you been paying attention a little bit? Now, uh, it actually just broke news yesterday because of all of the unfortunate positive testings that players are getting of uh, COVID-19. Players on teams like the Phillies, like the Marlins, and like the Cardinals. Uh, And it came out yesterday that the MLB is thinking of starting a billion-dollar bubble or an enclosed uh, campus sort of atmosphere where all the players are in one location so that the league can monitor who goes in and out and try to prevent more cases of corona. And so that is being announced as a possibility for the playoffs, which I am a huge advocate for. If you look at the success of the NBA and the NHL bubbles, uh, very, very few positive testings. Everything has gone on smoothly. It will be a little bit harder with... MLB doing it since there's so many more teams and they have a long season, but if they are to pull it off, I think it would be very, very smart for them. I was wondering if you had any thoughts. Oh, I apologize. I have a phone ringing in the background. So, knowing all that, knowing that they the MLB has unfortunately had um, 
almost to at this point 30 to 40 cases on multiple teams what do you do you have any thoughts on whether they should try to get a bubble and try to force players to stay in one spot or do you believe that uh, this situation could work and it just needs a little bit more time or is there any other thoughts you may have on the issue agree with you on just about everything you said about how the MLB's just about too big to fail barring any complete 180 that we aren't seeing yet uh, about how TV revenue is going to be making them so much money right now uh, yep I'm, I'm completely on the same side as you uh, and you know it's totally unfortunate and it's never before seen hopefully next season will be much more stable and we can get back to going to the ballpark and singing Sweet Caroline and doing all this good stuff. Uh, Boston Red Sox fan loyal, I have to admit. But, you know, this is this is wild times, and I do believe that Rob Manfred and the MLB have things under control. And if they don't have things under control, they are working tirelessly to provide us with, um, you know, this America's pastime. To provide us with something to relax and watch a good old ball game. Correct. And so, 
I have I have two more questions for you. One of them is I um, I read up a little bit on your post career uh, happenings, and I read somewhere that you are a big advocate and you really enjoy helping youth baseball players. And so I was wondering, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about that, about how it's, um, actually, yeah, I was wondering if you could share a couple thoughts on that. Well, basically, I, once I came home and I was done with baseball, it took me six, six years, four years, probably four years, probably to kind of realize what what was lacking and me being a high school head coach now and being a middle school head coach I noticed the kids that I were getting wasn't properly trained they you know they're they're part of some pretty good programs but they were bad sometimes the IQ the baseball IQ wasn't high and certain things as far as a passion and a drive for the love of the game wasn't there. It was almost just, hey, we got to win. We got to win. And that's what they were preaching, win, win, win. And I'm in Arizona. And I'm not saying all the organizations are like that. But there's a there's quite a few. And these parents are paying an arm and a leg to be a part of these winning programs. Their kid is not learning how to develop and how to how to strive and how to do professional movements on the field. And my person, my personality, I, I care. So basically what I did is I created a company called Valley Training. It's a nonprofit organization where we do personal training and private and private lessons, especially online, for sure online. Uh, from anyone that's across the world, I don't care. You can be anywhere. If you let us know that, I would like to know your expertise on this and what can my son do to do this or to get to this point. If you want to ever ask our company, we will respond and give them pro, pro instruction online for free. Everything is for free. Fielding-wise, throwing-wise, catching-wise, doesn't matter. Everything is for free. And I try to give them as much as I can. I, I have no more secrets to, to, to keep from from anyone else because I've retired. So everything that I give out is everything that I have. So if players need it, need that instruction, Valley Training is here for them. We do also, we do college placement for for players and families that are in need. There's a lot of uh, companies that are out there that charge around 2500 $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $
get recruited, get some money back in their pocket where their parents don't have to spend an arm and a leg to, to, to get them out. I do whatever I can to get these kids recruited. And I'm attached to about 1,400 schools, the program is. And so, and this is through, uh, I do my stuff normally through, through a program that's outside of Valley Training. And whenever a coach needs a player, I send them a promote, I promote one of the players to the program. And if they like them, they like them. And, you know, if they don't, they pass. But this gives the kid a level playing field as far as getting into college for free or, you know, having to pay less than, you know, $120,000, $120,000 to go to school. I mean, most families don't have that, and they have to pay financial aid for this. Or the kid has to be a walk-on and have to grind to get that scholarship, the full scholarship. So that's what my program does. We give them the option. And that's amazing. That's uh, not only is it a a complete bargain, but it's it's just a great organization. Uh, if you missed it, Valley Training, uh, led by Daniel Nelson. Um, I, I I know you just said it, but I would assume that all classes, all lessons for the foreseeable future are going to be online. Is there a website that people can go and check this uh, Valley Training out? I do everything through Facebook, and you can catch me on on Instagram as well. I haven't learned how to do video stuff on Instagram yet, as far as um, instruction. But I know on uh, on Valley on Facebook, I can do instruction there very well. But if you ever needed anything as far as from Valley training or from me. I am there to do it for free and take care of your child or adult, whichever one you want to call it. I am there. You heard it here first. Facebook, Daniel Nelson, a member of Valley Training. A completely generous, a complete bargain of a amazing opportunity. If you are looking for any tips, whether it's from a purely baseball point, whether you're looking for tips on uh, hitting, fielding, whether you're looking on tips of how to make it pro, how to actually get noticed, go check out Daniel Nelson's Facebook page at Valley Training. Um, one more question for you, Daniel. I was wondering if you had any hilarious, funny stories about your time that you would care to share with us. I know that's a broad one. Maybe one that's not a... Uh, not too inappropriate. Right, right, right. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. If, if you can't I mean, think of one that's not too inappropriate, you can go ahead. You can go ahead and share it. No, no, no. No, no. I, I, don't, I don't have any inappropriate, but we do have a, a, a few moments. A few moments. Let me... Uh, uh, oh, okay. This is the first time I met a Hall of Famer. And, uh, I can't say it was funny, but it's one of the most intimidating moments of my, of my pro career. Well, this, uh, this big man, 
you know, uh, is in the locker room at St. Louis Cardinals. And I look at him. And I look at him like, dude, I can say something. I have to say something. And, you know, the, 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 I was with a couple of teammates. They're like, go ahead, go ahead. So I went, man. Right? And I say, how are you doing today? He was like, I'm fine. How are you? I was like, great. I said, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's a pleasure to meeting you, Josh Gibson. I really do uh, appreciate meeting you. It gave me this death stare. Gibson, Josh Gibson. That's that's funny. Uh, I would have been so nervous. I I I don't know what I would have called him. That's hilarious. But that's still. Take a venture to guess on how many Hall of Famers you've met on your travels. Two minute account, maybe. Uh, too late maybe we can get uh maybe we can tag ozzy in this podcast and maybe he can uh, get in touch with you <laughs> that would be great that would be great i mean there's there's plenty of people that i just didn't get a chance to see or, or meet. you know um i know uh i didn't i, I had a chance to meet daryl strawberry i'd never wow. I, I i don't know why i just never i never walked up and talked to him i'm so scared and i looked up to that guy when i was even when i was like 10 11 years old I looked back to him, and when I saw him, he was in the Mets uh, tower when we were playing against the Mets, and my player, my teammates were like, dude, go talk to him. Yeah, because I, I don't know, based on, like, you know, I am from Chris, but I went to Chris, he went to school, and he might just be like, dude, 
can't imagine that that is that's awesome i i hope to be one one day and for what it's worth so far in my mind you are a hall of famer dan <laughs> well, well well thank you i do appreciate it but uh, uh you know, i wish that, wish things would turn around for me earlier <laughs> well that is just about wrapping it up with daniel nelson former atlanta braves player uh veteran of the mlb Played in several different minor league teams. Daniel, I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking to me on the podcast. Really meant a lot, and I appreciate every story you told. I appreciate the laughs and and everything. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zach, for having me. I do appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, We're going to have to try to get you in touch with Ozzy Smith. That's going to try to happen for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be great. (laughs) All right. Thank you again, Daniel. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thank you. All right. Hell, yeah.